0: Johnny. Yes. I'm no longer a skeptic. So I went for energy healing on Saturday. (laughs) And it was great. So I'll give you some context because I feel like I I saw about a hundred questions like fly across your forehead there. (laughs) My partner booked in, a holistic therapist in the middle of like a national park in a little hut with a log burner and she does like energy healing. And so she thought, Oh, this would be a nice like couples activity to do. So, okay. So she booked it in. It's like traditional, like shoulder massage. And then you lie on your back and she goes, right. No, I'm just going to do some energy healing to rebalance your, your energies at the moment. Cause I can sense that, you know, you've got some energies out of alignment. And so she just went like this
1: <laughs> to my face for about 15 minutes, 15 minutes <laughs> of just constantly being. Uh.
0: Yeah. So I'm lying on my back. She's got her hands around my head like that. Yep, And very similar to, in fact, episode one, of season two of I was laying down on the yoga retreat and the instructor comes up and he puts his thumbs into my eye sockets, just sends me into another dimension. It was basically that.
1: You were sent into another dimension by a lady spreading your face apart.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say another dimension, but I like instant. So I had, I'd had a really stressful morning my mind was going nuts. I was really kind of wound up and not just not in the mood for an energy healing that day. Like, (laughs) it's like, I really haven't got the bandwidth for this, but instantly from that, like thoughts slowed down started getting visions. Um, and then for the rest of the day, just nothing going through my mind. went from a eight out of 10 stress
1: to a 1.5. So what's the like physiological explanation for that?
0: No hablo in glaze.
1: No hablo. Yeah. Me llamo. Me llamo Yusuf. <laughs> um, <sighs> the thing is I I really want to believe it. I just, and I, obviously I believe you, but I, I just wonder how much of it is like, the fact that you've been told that this is about to happen, mm. you know, you sort of, if I, if I just came up to you now, went went this to you, like, would, you, would you, would you have the same experience?
0: That's a good point. Is it the kind of, is it some kind of mechanical vagal tone modulating effect of having your, your face squashed or was it the energy? Cause that, that's the crux of your
1: question, isn't it? Well, no, it's like, so if I say to you, Yusuf, I'm going to come up, I'm going to do this to you. So I'm going to do the opposite. the oh, opposite of what, what that lady does. And I, but when I do it, you're going to have like a a full psychedelic experience. And this is something that I've learned from my forefathers and the, my forefathers learned it from their forefathers and mm. it's passed down through generations. That when I go like this to you, you have a psychedelic experience. And just relax, and I'll burn some incense, and I'll play some like oh, I am, I am, in the, in a tent, and we'll be in a field in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. I do that to you. Does that just create a psychedelic experience because of all of the expectation? I mean, it sounds great. What you've just described, it does it? Like all the maybe we should just do that. Oh, oh, fuck you're, you're, yeah. fuck, all fuck all this stuff. You can, we'll take intern to do that, and the, and one of, the other one will do this to somebody, and we'll just charge nine nine seven for it. Do you know what? I bet if we Googled it, there will be at least a hundred people that run retreats to do that. Well, it sounds like you've spent the weekend at something remarkably similar, but you've actually had the outcome. You've had the experience from it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it kind of annoyed me because I, I didn't want to believe it. I was like, oh, you know, it'll be like, as you say, it's just a nice bit of incense and a shoulder rub. Mm. And, you know, and that's... But but the the difference in my state was so palpable. Like I went from actively really wound up to like
1: couldn't get stressed if I tried for the rest of the day. Wow. So when she was doing this to your face, what else was she, what, what else was happening? So she just went.
0: <laughs> well, no, it wasn't that sudden. <laughs> But there was no movement.
1: And okay, so she rubbed her hands together. There's no creams, like oh, a bit of oil, a bit of like um, okay. essential oil on my forehead. All right, but she's not like oil dipping oil her hands oil. in some sort of uh, strong cream or anything like that. I'm looking for the, the, I'm looking for the slight of hand here. I'm looking for the, like the yeah. where is the, where's the well, magic trick happening?
0: You know what? There, there's a potential route, isn't there? Cause, cause Darren Brown would say if there's a bit of oil rubbed on your forehead and it's some kind of transdermally absorbed, like diazepam infusion. LSD. Then, yeah. Then
1: <laughs> maybe she's just soaking you in CBD oil and you're like, Oh, that was Ooh. relaxing. Well, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> while she's doing that, she's just dipping your feet in. Something, but you don't you don't notice it because you're thinking, mm. oh, what's happening to my face?" You know the Windows shut down sound.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just That's that, how it felt. Mm. You know, in um, Star Wars: A New Hope, where Obi Wan Kenobi infiltrates the Death Star. Think, think back to the original Star Wars. Affairs. have you seen it? You might not have seen it. Unfortunately, I've not seen any.
0: Oh, oh goodness. Okay,
1: <laughs> the, the reference was lost history. on the listeners on everybody else. So he infiltrates a death star, which is this huge ball that's designed to destroy planets. And he turns it off by going around these terminals and just, or he turns off one of the parts of it. I can't remember the specifics, but he just shuts down each handle handle by handle and just goes, and then (laughs) progressively does one sounds. lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the energy, isn't it? Yeah. It's the energy. I'm. I'm interested. Let's go, let's do it.
0: It's. I mean, it's something that I feel like if you and Becca did, you'd you'd enjoy it. Like w- whether or not you believe in the energies, it's just it's a nice day out.
1: So I, the person I'd be most interested to see is if it worked on Becca, if the energy thing worked on Becca. Then it's like you cracked the. <laughs> is that because Becca's just so unsuggestible? I think so. Yeah. Although she, so I used to do magic when I was younger, or I used to do magic tricks, I should say. I wasn't, I didn't actually do when magic. wizard. <laughs> no, at least not that I was aware of. Um, should, Becca is one of the most, like, you know how some people you do a magic trick to you and they just like, it's in your pocket, mate. It's clearly in your pocket. Like Becca can never see the sleight of hand. doesn't matter how closely she's paying attention. can never see the sleight of hand. So I feel like if there is some tomfoolery going on with this person in the field in this hand then Becca won't catch it and she'll, she'll end up being ported into another dimension. Which, will, to be honest, would would make my experience of it much better. Mm. So, <laughs> on a totally separate topic, what? who's the guy, he's like a really famous YouTuber who does, I should have bloody looked this up before we spoke about it. He's, he's got like 60 million subscribers He did something with david blaine all he does is review technology
0: oh marcus Brownlee.
1: yes he did a youtube short the other day that i saw of the new oculus headset have you seen this no so he's going to do a video that's coming out soon about it so i guess like when he does that we'll we'll do a proper reaction but it's this the new oculus headset and um, Mark Zuckerberg's been on Joe Rogan talking about this. So I'd recommend listening to that as well. It tracks your face. So it tracks your facial expressions and your eyes oh, and transposes muscles. it into the metaverse. Yeah. So it's good for meetings like team meetings. So I could be so I would be, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he puts it on, so he's got a Mac in front of him and he puts the Oculus over the camera and suddenly it like interfaces. So it, it like projects things into what you're already seeing. So behind the laptop is like three screens that are taking the image from the laptop and so in with the Oculus on, you've got four monitors and you can still use your laptop, but the monitors don't actually exist. <laughs> and I was like, what, like that looks class. So the, I, I was listening to Mark Zuckerberg talking about it, that like the, the vision is that you can take this thing portably, like you'd be sat on a plane. And you've got a TV in front of you, but you can still see everything else in the plane around you. So it's still... You've got a full workstation, haven't you? But it's like overlaying it. So you're not you're not in any danger in the sense that you can't see the person walking down the, the aisle at you. Because it's in AR. You still see all of that. Yeah. So, and so, I imagine yeah. the next step is have some
0: gloves that you can like type with without having to have a keyboard. It's, so he, I mean, I'm very yeah. excited about that, to be honest.
1: He says they're doing experiments with like haptic feedback gloves. I think, Yeah. Um, he, he was talking about like fast forward, like he thinks like three to five years, this stuff will really take off, but fast forward like 10 years, 15 years, you'll just not have anything that doesn't have to be physical for you to use it. You just won't need to have a physical version of it. So like a laptop doesn't have to be a physical item. It'll just be a pair of glasses. Eventually, it'll just, it? well, it'll just be an app that you just, you'll just buy from Apple to like download onto the thing. And then that's the <laughs> operating system. And then like you'll have a tv that's just an app on your wall that's not actually a tv so you just live in a in a blank building <laughs> where there'll be like food for a food and a bed and furniture and people but everything else all technology will just be overlaid
0: there's a film called uh ready player one
1: yeah i've seen it With, really uh,
0: good. yeah which is exactly like everyone's living in shanty towns basically mm-hmm. like blank blank buildings very little space but like a 3d treadmill that you can run in any direction and that's it you just in the universe yeah it's i'm excited i think if it can be you that the only thing that upsets me is like it'll be used for gaming and social and all that stuff first
1: mm-hmm. and
0: touch screen and whereas all i want is some big monitors so i can just do my work in peace
1: so i think that specific use is like maybe already available i think it's just been released this this headset have a google of it i i think um based on the short i saw um i think that already exists
0: next time you see me i'll just be like (laughs) (laughs) marcus brownlee is actually for anyone who's not heard of him, or in fact, you, you will have heard of him, or you will have seen him. Maybe you Google him and you will be like, ah, yeah, him. Um, he is a really inspirational person because he's left his old YouTube videos up on his channel and you can scroll back like six or eight years to when he posted his first ever video. And it's like with his MacBook webcam and he's like in a noisy room and, and you can see how over time, It's just about doing volume because his his videos look really polished now. They're really pro. They're incredible. And you can go back like a decade and just see like, oh, he was just a standard guy and just has done a lot of volume. It's almost the same as if you see like a pro powerlifter and you look at like the first day they step into a gym and you're like, oh, yeah, they're just normal. Someone that's just done a lot of volume
1: he he has this way of making like so I ended up I saw the short and then I found myself watching the his review on the new Apple Watch, like the Apple Watch Pro, I think it's called. Um and he, it's a what like it's an Apple Watch, right? Like it's not they've not launched anything really that different about it, but the review was just so engaging. Mm. I was like I found, like here I am like six minutes into this video. I have no intention of buying the watch. <laughs> but... I mean, that that's a really successful
0: that's a real win for him. If he's got someone who doesn't even have an intention to buy, it, like you're not even in the market for an Apple watch, no, but you're six minutes into a review video because it's that
1: good. I, I'm the person who so he describes he has this really good like demonstration of Apple products and why they have pro versions of things and how he's got like a population of the hundred people and most people get use out of an Apple watch by like a text notification or an alarm. Or, like, uh, the fact that they can, like, use Siri on their watch. And then there's all these people in the periphery that want, like, to do an Iron Man with it on. Or And I feel like you and I are those users for all Apple products. We, what we care about are these, like, really, like, fringe weird things that...
0: You find yourself up a mountain looking at, like, the relative partial pressure of oxygen. And what's the the latitude that you're currently... And you're like, yes, thank goodness mm. I got the SE version or whatever. Yeah, ex- yeah.
1: exactly. Exactly. But like all I care about with an Apple Watch, I think, is like really it's battery life. To be honest, like because whoop Fitbit, all these other things have like six or seven days of battery life these days, and Apple Watch is like forty-eight hours at best. Yeah. Anyway, here we are, fifteen minutes in. (laughs) Well, you know,
0: speaking of stress and energy healing, one of the big unspoken aspects of being self-employed is that it is an emotional whirlwind for Mm. your mental health and it's not something that you can just like nail once it's always going to be a battle and different things will press your buttons we've talked about the idea of entrepreneurship or setting up a a business is basically a vehicle for self-growth disguised as a money-making program and you, you will find that the, the market will just find your your trigger points and it will just press and you'll be like,
1: ah, ah, ah.
0: Just, it'll just find all the sore spots and dig into them. And it's the perfect way to challenge your mental health, but also sometimes you'll be ragged around by it. And we want to go through a few stories of things that have really got to us in, in our core um, because it's Johnny – actually m- mentioned this and saying like, oh, we, we, should, we should do an episode about this. Cause I think you are very good at dealing with this stuff. I disagree. I think we're just triggered by different things. And so the things that trigger Johnny might not necessarily trigger me. And then Johnny thinks that I'm some kind of Zen master, <laughs> <laughs> but then the reverse is true as well.
1: Yeah. I think the, um, you, I can't, I think it's, is it Sedona? The method where it's like, all we're wanting is like, is it approval, safety or control? Mm. Is that right? So
0: yeah, it's, it's just a model of looking at emotions as the driver of thoughts and saying that if you trace any emotion down to its core, it always comes down to one of the three basic human emotions, human desires of wanting approval, wanting control or wanting safety.
1: So I think for me, the biggest of those three is safety. I think anything that threatens my safety or my perception of safety, um, I find really hard to deal with. So those are the things that like, and I suppose what that's linked to for me is the financial performance of the business. You know, if I feel like that's declining, um, or our costs are going up or we might make a loss in a certain month for some reason, that's the thing that I'm like, Oh, you know, shit, this is, this doesn't feel sustainable. This is going to fail. And I'm, I could. those are the thoughts that, that, I catastrophise very quickly, um, but I'm kind of okay with the approval piece of that, or at least from a business perspective, and to some degree the control perspective, the control part of it as well. But the safety thing for me is that that's the hot button. Mm. Well, it's it's that's the deepest uh, core
0: desire, mm. and the model which I'll I'll get up on the screen is the tree of desire has the need for safety at the, the root, because even historically. From an evolutionary perspective the one for approval is actually the one for safety because if you're right. rejected from the tribe you'll be out on your own and you won't be able you'll get eaten by a mammoth and you'll die so it comes down to to safety at the end of it and that's why things like stuff around housing really rattles people you know if you get an eviction notice from your landlord that's like oh god that's a mm-hmm. real taps into your basic sense of safety. If someone invades your house, if you get a a break in or something, it's one of the more traumatic things because it taps into probably the most core desire. Um, And then by extension, when you're in a secure job with a salary, safety is kind of handled and you get the regular salary, regular income, and so you can feel safe. That's why they're saying universal basic basic income would be a, a big, fix for people's anxiety
1: mm.
0: when you're self-employed it doesn't exist you if you have a shit month there's no revenue
1: yeah i think um so on the story side of things if we're sure if we're using like sharing by example so the thing that comes to mind for me was 2018 probably so i'd quit accountancy in 2016 so we've been doing i've been doing that full time for two years and we um i'll not mention like specifics or names we just moved some of the cash in the business into something else like a a, like an investment vehicle um (laughs) that left which this may seem like a lot of money i guess to some people but at the time it was a very small percentage of of like what i thought we needed So we had like 13 grand in the business bank account left um, and the rest of it was in this this investment vehicle that we realized quite quickly, we couldn't just draw down as we needed. So like suddenly like two thirds of the cash in the business was like locked in this thing that we couldn't get out of. And it was like growing on, on a percentage basis over time, but we couldn't get access to it. And I remember thinking like, fuck, like that's two, you know, two, three months of ad spend, paying me, paying you, um, and then we're done. Like that's it, no more money in the business. I should say as well, we put it into this investment vehicle
0: with the on the proviso that the mandate meant you could withdraw as needed. Mm-hmm. And then they changed the mandate and just sent everyone email being like, oh, sorry, lol, everyone, uh, we've locked your yeah. money indefinitely. So without any notice and without any kind of timeline, we've got your money and
1: that's it. So what actually yeah. happened, I think the reason they did that was at the time the firm in question had some like negative some negative press and i think they worried about everyone going right that's it i've had enough pull my money out of that um and, at the t- and then they changed those terms um but yeah so i can remember being uh Becca and i had just booked to go to venice which is expensive and i remember being in venice and just being like unable to sleep and i was just like worrying about like oh shit like this is i'm gonna have to go back to accounting and all this sort of stuff and in the scheme of things like i'm safe i'm fine there i'm on holiday like it's it's absolutely fine but i was very locked in this um propane has a good day i i'm feeling confident everything's going great the business is growing fantastic i'm in a good mood business is going badly or something like that happens and i'm in a bad mood i can remember it distinctly like affecting how much i enjoyed the holiday and i remember becca being like you know you seem really you just seem really down about this like you know the whole point of you running your own business is it's supposed to be something you enjoy um i think that's the thing that like stands out for me is when i look back over the last five or six years um there's an amazing
0: lesson behind that as well because it's if someone was just dropped into your body as like they woke up as johnny hmm. with no context no memory no history they're just like oh i'm a human in venice on holiday <laughs> With my partner, it's sunny. I get to go on. Yeah, Yeah. I get to go on that boat thing with the with the paddle. They'd be pretty happy, like physically, as you say. There's a roof over your head. You're warm. You're comfortable. Eating nice food. But the reason for the suffering was the internal story and the fear Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And we did an interview with a guy called Daniel Ingram, who is an emergency medicine doctor in the U.S. who just spent months in meditation retreat and has become enlightened, like he's completed it. And he talks about his subjective experience as you've got, let's say, 100% of your total experience is this. You're sat in this room, you've got sensory experience, you can hear the noise outside, you can see the lights, you've got the the rustling in the the trees, you can feel your back on the chair. Okay. But 97% of your your kind of awareness experience is taken up by thoughts and internal narrative. And maybe 3% is the kind of sensory stuff that's happening in the room. Like you are kind of vaguely aware of it, but mostly you're thinking like, Oh, but what, what about if this happens? And how am I going to do this? And what do I have for lunch? And, <laughs> <laughs> and he said, post enlightenment, that ratio flipped. Mm-hmm. So he's like, thoughts are still there. It's not like thoughts stop, but it now takes up the correct ratio of inputs, which is about two or 3%. It's like and most of the stuff that's happening is like I'm I'm in this room. I'm here. Wow, look at the brightness of that colour and look at yeah. The...
1: It's I I think like doing a little bit of meditation, certainly in the context compared to Daniel. Um like I still haven't done a thousand hours of meditation, for example. I think he must have done ten thousand hours plus. Oh, probably more, all, yeah. yeah. Um I kind of have a bit of that. Like, I am, I have like those thoughts happen and I, I am, I just sometimes can catch it. Like, this is a thought, but some, but equally, when something's really stressing you out, you don't want to like, and sometimes it's hard to entertain, like, you know, well, yeah, but it yeah, it's just a thought. I'm fine. Here I, like, I think the, um, the, funnily enough, though, when I look back on that situation, shortly after that, we made some changes that, like, fully turn the business around so i think and a lot of people talk about like oh you know when when your back's against the wall that's when you you know but i think there is something to that like suddenly you've got to like you've got to figure it out you've got to make it work and you either do or you don't um and we did which is great but um i still i think only really in the last like year or two have i um really been able to fully like attach to the fact that business results and what i do on a daily basis are not related so like it's a and because i'm comfortable with that now if we're having a bad day it's like well just follow the process that i do today and like this will happen anyway like this like up and down will happen regardless and all i can do is just the actions like the regular actions it's very hard to do and often we've found and i'm sure
0: as an online coach listening you'll you'll notice this where a lesson in your training and nutrition will click and you'd be like, ah, okay, I get that now. Mm -hmm. There's no quick fixes or there's no magic fat loss pill or whatever. But then it takes another couple of years for that lesson to click in your, in your business. Yeah. So with training, the parallel here is that you can't really force progress. Like if you're training for strength and you're trying to get to 150 kilo bench, you can't just like put another plate on the, on the bar and be like, Oh, I'm just going to like push really hard, and maybe I'll get it this time. Mm. Like, you have you are at the limits of how rapidly your body adapts to the training stimulus. And if you get really wound up by it, and you have a bad training session, and you think, "Oh shit, I'm just going to flip the table, and this is all a waste of time." Like, you're you're arguing with reality by doing that, and that's where the objectivity of having a coach to say, "Hey, you've got the inputs right. You're eating enough protein. You're doing your training program." sleeping enough it's just a matter of time until you get to the goal yeah but that's because it's kind of a microcosm when you're training it's like it all kind of makes sense and i can i can understand other people have done this but in your business there's so many more variables that it's very hard to keep that lesson on the top of awareness
1: there was two i think there's two videos that i saw that i credit with helping me like come be comfortable with this one of them is a um actually a Gary V video I don't I wouldn't be able to find it I don't think but he talks about um, being patient with results from a macro perspective but being like aggressive on a on a micro level so daily weekly you should be pushing to like get things done get stuff over the line complete projects launch something new finish to finish the thing that you need to do like complete all your tasks for the day and be absolutely in, in, in gross involved in that and don't like that's not the stuff to be patient about that's the stuff to like get done but give it five years like don't don't expect that to just happen but in six months time to be where you want to be like but if you just keep focusing on the micro and controlling what you can control suddenly you're kind of and it, if i could zoom back to where i was in in venice and fast forward to now i'd have i'd have really enjoyed venice people like it's all gonna be fine don't worry about it like just be a bit patient you'll figure it out it'll be okay um but i was so in, like the the worry about the macro is affecting my ability to just like do something about it in the short term versus just zooming out and chilling out. The other one is uh, the Sam Evans video where he talks about, I think it's a concept from somebody else. But he talks about how there's this like six month lag all the time in business. So the stuff you did, the results you see now are attached to the work you did six months ago and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if bad month now means this month's really unproductive, then all you're doing is locking in a shit month in six months time. So, (laughs) (laughs) so it's this disconnection between financial performance and your performance and accepting that they're not like what you do today is not going to change this month more than likely, Um, but it will change next month. Tracking and documenting so important because that six month
0: lag, even if it's a two week lag, we're not wired to, to make that cause effect relationship in our minds of that thing that I did two weeks ago is having an effect now. Mm. And so we end up either prematurely changing the program and trying to make tweaks when something is actually working. We're just, just taking a bit of a while for that thing to manifest. And especially with sales, because you can't force a sale, you know, someone might see you as the right coach to sign up with, but it's just not the right time. And they need to be on your email list and get nurtured a bit before they buy. Mm. and you can like really try and force the sale along, but probably if you, if you force hard enough, you, all you're going to do is put them off. So yeah, you just got to be aware that like the automations and the nurture sequences and all that stuff that you built six months ago might only be coming home to roost (laughs) this week.
1: (laughs) What? um, give me an example for you. So that's the stuff that gets me. So the safety, Mm. the numbers, the threat of it failing, um or the threat of it not doing well in by my measure, what what gets yeah. me? Yeah. For me it's it's much more physical and closer to the, the 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 kind of
0: the body. So when I'm feeling behind, I'll just try and pedal harder and I'll often then start to do away with the stuff that I see in the short term as optional. Meditating and training and going out for a walk and that kind of stuff. Because I think, oh no, I need to get this done. I need to Finish this video edit. I need to do whatever, and it's a total false economy. And and my my like adult brain knows that, <laughs> but in the moment you think, no, that's fine. I'll I'll skip training today. Ah, oh, and tomorrow and I'll just I'll just get this done. And all that happens is you end up kind of with this background kind of wound up sense of physical anxiety, poor sleep. That rolls into the next day. They're not very productive, and it just causes this kind of cycle. So for me, that's that's where I go. And I have to always remind myself to just like physically take care of my body. And that's why as part of the productivity series that we did um, last year, I don't know if, um, if you haven't seen it, have a look on YouTube, just look on our channel for the, the playlist. But part seven is burning a clean flame. And that's talking about making sure that the inputs for your body are taken care of, particularly if you're a fitness coach, because you've got to be congruent with what what you're Mm -hmm. teaching. But it's so easy to end up forgetting that. And it's one of the ironies of doing this like online coaching stuff is that you're you're spending your day sat at a laptop. It's it's ostensibly quite an unhealthy lifestyle um, when you're supposed to be this like bastion of physical health. So just important to keep on top of taking care of your physical body and also obviously rule out any diagnosable conditions. Like if you're always getting like physical states of anxiety and it seems to be uncaused and you're getting any kind of um, thought loops and suicidal thoughts and all that stuff, mm. then obviously see your GP, make sure you rule out any kind of um, organic or, or inorganic causes of, of depression
1: or anxiety as well. So you, so what you're saying is you, fight like your. The thing you struggle with is the sense of like, there always being more to do. Yeah, A, definitely. And never getting I to the bottom of the to-do off. list. Like things are being added faster than you're ticking them off. So how do you, how do you like, cope with that?
0: It, it's it's an ongoing thing. I'm not the I'm not the master of it for sure. Um, and no, actually, no. I felt. I, I felt validated by reading Oliver Berkman's book because it's exactly about this concept. And I'm sure we've mentioned it a few times on the podcast, but very much worth reading. It's ex- it's just about the fact that your to-do list will always be larger than your capacity to do things hmm. and that you have to just make peace with that because otherwise you're always going to feel like you're running behind. Um, you won't, even if you had multiple lifetimes, you wouldn't be able to clear your existing to-do list, even if nothing else was to be added to it, yeah. which is a crazy thought. It's absolutely nuts. So it's just a real argument to say, pick the highest priority thing, do that. Yes, you can improve your focus. Yes, you can improve your efficiency and your productivity, but don't be under the illusion that if you do that, you'll somehow be able to just clear through absolutely everything.
1: Mm. I think both of us do well with like following a like a prescription. So like if I, if I gave you like, for example, your training, I know you're not coached by someone at the moment, but I imagine you like wrote, either wrote a training plan weeks ago, or you got like a template from something and you you just follow that prescription. For so I
0: actually am coached by someone okay. at the moment, but, <laughs> but yeah, just follow
1: the template. Like coached on like a, someone telling you how many reps to do on split squat. No. So this is for flares. For flares. So, okay. So you're you're like training sessions. Like when you go to the gym, did you like write that yourself? Yeah. And did you, I imagine you don't like think, what am I going to do in the gym today? You wrote that in advance or you have like a structure that you follow and you repeat that week to week. Uh, Yeah. I just like separated planning from execution. So there's a, there's a session on a day where you go in the gym and you tick these boxes and then you're finished and you leave. Mm -hmm. And so like you and I have been trained into that for years, right? Like we've either had, had programs downloaded or been written programs ourselves, or we've had a coach that said four days a week, three days a week, this is how you finish the work for the week. And then suddenly in the work landscape, like that doesn't ever exist. Like you have to draw this arbitrary line somewhere, but you want to get it. You like try to do it. So people are like, Oh, do three to five things a day. You write down your five things. And you're like, Oh yeah, but I'll just put a sixth one. (laughs) <laughs> that is a
0: great point because it's exactly the the this parallel we were saying where that it clicks with training where you're like oh yeah like volume's good so if i do loads of volume but mm-hmm. you don't go into the gym and like you know dragging yourself off the floor and you're like oh but volume's good and i could maybe just do a couple more like little finger curls and then i've got some more like you have to say okay i've done enough for today yep. and you know there's a there's a recovery capacity part of that as well but that still applies in
1: your day-to-day you know? yeah yeah. So, I, I think the analogy yeah. holds as well, where like if you went in on Monday and did 10 by 10 back squat, like your chance of being able to train on Tuesday are fairly slim. And I think it's the same with work, where if you, I used to be so guilty of this when I, when I left like the nine to five land and I wasn't like in an office and no one was telling me to do anything. I could just do whatever I wanted. I just worked until midnight, just every day, over and over and over again. And I would wake up the next day shattered and, and just my productivity across the week would just decline, where like Friday afternoon, I basically got nothing done. you just bin yourself yeah so like i think you do definitely borrow from future days and i think like having i think if every day is like an rp7 just like an rp7 that just a little dose nudge it forward nudge it forward but do that every day i think it's that's a far more product like a far more enjoyable way to live your life than binning it on a monday and is a bit less productive wednesday you're quite tired thursday i'm shattered friday Mm. friday can't concentrate that's such a good point. Because also by Friday,
0: if you're still mentally trying to bin yourself, but you've just not, <laughs> it, but there's nothing there. Yeah. All you've done is dig further into your recovery capacity, but you
1: haven't got any more done. And there's that dissonance of like, I should be more productive. I should have got more done mm-hmm. today. I'll, I know I'll work over the weekend and then <laughs> cycle never ends, but it's brutal. Yeah. That one, I think, I think pretty much everybody, everyone who joins Probit in Business probably has both of those things. So a feeling of like, feeling of being behind, feeling that there's too much to do and they'll get it done. And ultimately like baseline worries about finances and performance and you're responsible for your financial future as a, as a One lesson owner, that so I think we've both to to learned that. in the last
0: three years, and it's, it's been huge, is having a specific KPI or a specific target that we're aiming for. And driving things towards that. So what I mean by that, <clears throat> I talked about Johnny, Johnny's wisdom of you've got to put the, the Facebook pixel somewhere. As in, you've got to aim the shit at a certain direction. That in an online business, particularly as an online coach, there are an infinite number of things you could do in a given day. You could wake up on a Tuesday and be like, I'm going to spend all day making graphics on Canva. Or you could be like, I'm going to spend all day writing advert angles or calling clients or doing DM outreach or any of those things are perfectly viable things that you could easily sink weeks or months into doing. Some of them won't drive the needle forward and won't help with your business. Some of them will, but they all feel like work. So how do you know what you should be spending your time on? And that has to come from having a big picture plan, usually hiring a coach because we're usually so caught up in the weeds that we we can't figure out what we should be spending our time on until someone else comes along and goes, ah, here's the roadmap. Here's what you should be doing. Here's what you should be working towards. And then you can, at the end of 12 weeks, you can check in and be like, right, revenue's grown by this much. Here's what's happened. Now, now what do we do?
1: Yeah, I think the people measure. Firstly, I think people focus and measure on the wrong things. So I think they often pick like a proxy, like Instagram engagement or followers, or even like email list size and these sorts of things that like matter, that don't necessarily do anything. Um, And then they don't, because those things are hard to influence the plan that they end up building or the thing they end up trying to follow is kind of random in a way. So you end up before you know it, you're focusing on like, uh, getting canva templates for your instagram because you're trying to post more because you're trying to grow your followers so you can send more dms and you you're wrapped up in this world and you it's hard to then take a step back and think actually hang on what was the goal like the the target is like 10 clients have i actually got a client yet no so it's like you've got to but by putting the facebook pixel somewhere you could put it on dm sent or followers gained but that has to be there for a reason you have to be optimizing for that for a reason so obviously every business is, is optimized for like cash and profit and revenue so it's finding what is the lead metric that really generates that so is it is it like leads generated is it number of people in my 14 day challenge which it should be but or you know is it what's the thing that's if i looked over a year and said well what i did was i generated this i did these actions then the revenue will have taken care of itself. And that's the challenge. You know, this diagram of the anatomy of an online coaching business,
0: you've got getting leads, closing sales, coaching clients, and then the underlying software and tech productivity. Most coaches, the 90% of the ones that we speak to are struggling with the first part, getting leads, but 90% of their day is spent worrying about like whether Mm. to use Google sheets or my PT hub or PT distinction. And, And it's like, you can optimize that until your heart's content, but it's not going to get you more clients. It's not the problem that you should really be solving in your business.
1: Yeah. I, I actually think it's a, because I think everyone has a lead flow problem, but I think the reason everyone has a lead flow problem is because they have a sales conversion problem. So if you don't have a lead flow problem, if you have a way of converting 50 leads into a customer, or 50 leads into two customers because as soon as you have that you just pay for leads so i think the reason the reason why people have a lead flow problem is because they're trying all these they're trying these things that are like it, there's not a linear input output relationship so i do i post five times on instagram and i send 20 dms do i always get the same number of leads off the back of that and in other words can i then double that and get double the leads and if you don't have that set up if it's like random I do the same thing every day. Sometimes I get a client or inquiry. Sometimes I don't. There's no order or no consistency to it. I was talking to, very you, hard to grow that, one of our clients no today. What you doing
0: in the Alliance program? Ooh, um, where we help—that's where we help coaches to scale above Ooh, and beyond the, um, the initial 14-day challenge, 30 mid-ticket clients um, result. But we were talking about this because he is still occasionally tempted by high-ticket sales that come in. He doesn't actively push for it, but occasionally he'll get an inquiry and and it happens. And he's like, you know, it happens and I make a high ticket sale and then I'm comfortable for a month or two. And then and then I'm like, no, 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 that's not, that's not right. That's not right. I'll, I need to go back to doing the proper work. But then, oh, I've got another high ticket sale. And, it's, and, and he was like, it's happening randomly. You can't rely on it. Mm. But we are wired to love random rewards. So you've heard that experiment of the monkeys where... They put monkeys in the cage and if they climbed up to the top of the ladder and they ring the bell, a banana is dispensed into the cage. And so they do that and it's predictable. And, and every time they climb up the ladder and they ring the bell and they eat the banana, and then they stopped doing the banana. And for another day or two, the monkeys would climb the thing and ring the bell and then realize like, oh, there's no banana anymore. And they stopped doing it. When they gave out bananas randomly, the monkeys would start developing these like weird rituals and dances that they thought was causing the banana to be dispensed, and they kept doing it. Then when they stopped giving out the random bananas. <laughs> the monkeys carried on doing those rituals for a year afterwards. And it shows how deeply wired in the addiction to random rewards are.
1: <laughs> well, I think it shows we're fucked, to be honest. People would just, just be picking up like a black box and just swiping around on it and just hoping that they get an Instagram <laughs> notification, even though the phone hasn't worked for a year.
0: Dead battery phone. <laughs> oh, dear me. So, so, So there it is. How to deal with your mental anyway. health, the emotional whirlwind in business as an online coach. If you enjoyed this, there is a similar video that we've done on hustle porn. Because we had someone send in a question saying that hustle porn was just driving him mad with all the kind of expectations and um, this feeling that I'm I'm never quite peddling hard enough and I need to be doing more. So we go through some practical advice on that, and reframing things. We'll put the link in the description below for that.
1: Funnily enough, because we did that article, we now rank on all sorts of uh, exotic search terms on google i'll not read them out but uh yeah that makes for some interesting reading um if you set i sit there thinking like god if only someone would just give me like a if only i had like a training program but for that's business sort of belief, if only right? i had like a 12 week full yeah like and, I, and it was just like do this many sessions this week and here's the task this week that's what the first 12 weeks of propane business is so the journey's way, it goes way beyond that. But the first 12 weeks is your, your on ramp into the world of running an online business. So we map it all out, make it as prescriptive as possible because we know how hard it is to manage the, you know, there's thousands of things you could do. The emotions can get in the way. We try to, to make it as prescriptive and simple as possible. So two ways to find out about that. You can, um, Go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast to get our sort of demo intro training, see what we do, and then schedule the time to speak to us. Or if you just want the VIP wristband, go to the front of the queue, send us an email to admin at propanefitness.com with the subject line, Propane Business Podcast. And Yusuf will come out the side door with his little wristband, slap it on, glass of champagne, and you'll come around through in the, into the red carpet and we'll have a chat with you. Just like that. That's what it's exactly what he does. does that every time you <laughs>